welcome to the Excuse My African podcast. My name is Stella Damasis and I am your host. Join me as I take you on a journey through the eyes of a misrepresented and misunderstood African girl abroad. In this episode, I will talk about menstrual hygiene in Africa. Now, menstrual cycle for women is one topic that a lot of people don't pay attention to. They ignore it because it's taken for granted. As we know, it's a, it's a normal biological process that is experienced by millions of women and young girls. I mean, um, no matter where you're from, your religion, whatever, that is the one common thing that every female has to go through, especially when she's becoming an adult, unless you're born with a medical condition that prevents you from experiencing that. But I'm worried that it's a hugely overlooked issue. You know, only certain people who are in the medical field or who are in the education field or who are advocates actually talk about these things. And uh, as you know, yesterday was the menstrual hygiene day for the world. And I just wanted to take this opportunity to share some information that a lot of people might not pay attention to or might not even know at the end of the day. Now, we have an issue with menstrual hygiene, especially for a lot of African countries, females in a lot of African countries. They are suffering. And a lot of women who are in developed worlds who don't have any issues with being able to afford um, mental hygiene products and stuff like that, they might not even know how bad the situation is for the other people on the other side of the divide who are really, really poor. I'm going to discuss a few of the negative sides of, of menstrual hygiene, especially in Africa. The first thing that we find as a problem is that there is lack of clean water in a lot of African countries. And we know that clean water is an, ex is an essential part of taking care of your monthly cycle. It is very and hugely important to keep the area clean. It is very important. So imagine living in a place where you do not have clean water. The water is dirty or you have to walk for miles and miles to be able to get water to take care of yourself for hygienic purposes, not just to take a shower, to take a bath, sorry, but to clean, you know, your privates. It's very important, it's hugely important. So when there's dirty water around your privates, you're very susceptible to infections. And that has been happening to a lot of women. Another issue that we face is no menstrual products. A lot of countries have a huge shortage of menstrual products, commercially produced menstrual products. Another issue is they cannot even afford the ones that are available in the stores. They can't afford it. it it's, it's expensive. There are no tax cuts from it. It's just there. And if you cannot afford it, that's it. So you find that a lot of these women and girls, they end up using old clothes. They, they cut them up. And they use them to, to gather the blood, you know. I'm sorry if it sounds gross, um, but I have to say it. This is, it is what it is. It's a natural phenomenon that, we, that women go through. So um, when they use old clothes, they have to keep reusing these old clothes, these things that they use. They have to reuse it. They have to try and wash it. And sometimes they share it. I'm getting a lot of this information from different 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 organizations that you know advocate for menstrual hygiene they have 
families where some of their sisters, some of the siblings who are women, actually share these clothes. So they put them aside and say, this is for our monthly cycle. They use, they wash, and then by the time it's drying up, another person is using it, especially if their menstrual cycle doesn't you know, happen at the same time in the month. They just know they have a pile of old clothes that they all share for whoever is going through their own menstrual cycle. Other people use tissue. And you know the dangers of using tissue in your private area, especially because of the particles that can be left inside. They use tissue, they use cotton or wool, which is crazily dangerous. And some people have been known to use newspaper. They put the newspaper inside of the old cloth so that it takes a, a, a while. It doesn't, it doesn't soak as fast. You know, they put the old cloth and they, they put like load, load up old newspaper in between. So it soaks through them before everything is really, really bad. The, the, the lady probably is able to get it out, wash up, dry it. And some just have one one cloth that they use so by the time it's used they wash it they have to wait for it to dry so i ask myself in the meantime whilst they're washing and drying what's happening to them if they don't have any other means of protecting themselves they sit in one place i saw a documentary and i, my, I was heartbroken they sit in one place on top of a bowl so that the bowl collects it until they are ready until it's dry Forget about ironing. Most of these people live in rural villages. They do not have iron. So they have to wait for the sun to dry these things. And in the meantime, they're sitting on a bowl. This is crazy. Now, whilst we think that this is not possible, it is happening all over the world. And then I must let you know that in some parts of Africa, because of religious, cultural or traditional practices, some women are not allowed not allowed to use tampons. It's a taboo to put something inside of your privates all in the name of menstrual hygiene. They, won't, they wouldn't even hear of it. It's a taboo to even sell such products in some of these areas. You can't even do it. Now, the negative effects of all of this can be seen right from when they're teenagers, when the females are teenagers. Not being able to attend classes, not being able to go to school, and this has accounted for a huge percentage of young girls who can't go to school anymore. It starts with missing some days in the school year, then weeks, then months, and then at the end of the day, as they grow older, some of them experience heavier flow. It becomes more difficult to walk from their homes to school without experiencing stain. And because of that, they face the embarrassments. They face being laughed at in school when there's a stain. And sometimes they don't even know. But they have walked for so long that whatever cloth or tissue that they used in the morning, by the time they get to school, is all soaked. And that is crazy. Okay? That, that in itself is an issue. And then we're talking menstrual cramps. A lot of these people don't know what to do. They don't have access to hot water bottles. They don't even know that they could use hot water bottles. They don't have anything to take as medication. They don't know whatever it is. It's painful. So they'd rather just be home and go through that pain. And you know that when you're going through that pain and there's a chance that you don't have the right product to, to, to collect the blood, you cannot concentrate. There's no way that is humanly possible for you to actually learn or listen to anyone you're in pain you're you're holding your stomach you're you're on the floor you're you're 
you know, twisting and turning because of all the pain. And it's uncomfortable because you know that you're bleeding and whatever it is that you're using is not going to hold the blood. So imagine that. And imagine telling that girl to go to school with all of that is not possible. So imagine how many weeks they shave off school. Whilst this is happening, the boys are in school because they're not affected by these things. Some cultures actually keep the females locked up. When I say locked up, I mean literally locked up. Like they're not allowed to go to the kitchen because they, there's, a, there's this taboo, there's a stigma around it. You will contaminate the food in the kitchen because you are releasing bad blood. That's what these people call it in the rural areas, bad blood. So when a woman is releasing bad blood, she can't go to the kitchen. She can't be with her children. She can't even be with her husband. She has to be away for four to six days, depending on how long her menstrual cycle is. And she has to go through cleansing. She has to take inhale smoke. She has to drink something that has been mixed. She has to go through all of this to cleanse herself, to be clean of the bad blood before she's allowed to get back into the groove of being with her family, which is which is crazy. And I'm not kidding. There's so many countries that are going through this, but I'm really grateful that World Bank is stepping up. For instance, Ethiopia, Uganda, Nigeria, Somalia, Egypt, Zimbabwe, Tanzania, Ghana. They have a huge percentage of girls that are not able to go to school because of this. But the World Bank made it possible for Ethiopia to have completed sanitary places that are separate, sanitary blocks that are separate, bathrooms for girls. And they have their privacy, they have their doors, they have the way to dispose their menstrual hygiene products, you know, privately and quietly. They have uh, means for them to wash their hands with good clean water and soap. They've provided this across Ethiopia for, in as many schools as they can. Um, they also sent 250 I think $50 million to Uganda, they sent to Nigeria, Somalia, in Tanzania, they have a $350 million contract to build as many, many sanitary places, facilities for young girls, especially in schools. Um, in Ghana, there's $24 million that have been sent to build. Right now, they have done 257 schools. And, and, and it is very encouraging to see that the World Bank is paying a lot of attention to this because they know how, how greatly it can affect the amount of young girls, the, the percentage of young girls that can go to school and graduate from high school, like the, like, like, like the boys can, you know, it's, it's really crazy. The infections are just enormous. There are too many of them. The infections that young girls can get if they don't have access to the right things, to clean water, to menstrual hygiene products, to things that they would need, to, to be able to even dispose of them, you know, to avoid smell and all of that. Infections from using these old clothes, it's, it's crazy. Being able to wash it off with water that's not clean is still another issue. So you, you end up having a lot of urogenital infections you know, which is crazy. When you have inadequate toilet for girls, it's, it makes it embarrassing for a girl to want to go in there knowing that boys could come in, see what she has wrapped there. And it's not like there's a separate place or a separate thing that, they, that you have to use to wrap these things and, and make sure they're not seen. Sometimes it's just there, you know, because the truth is over 500 million women and girls lack adequate facilities. 500 million in the world. And one major issue is the lack of proper education about this as well. Who's teaching them? How do they know 
what to do. Because young, young girls and women have to learn. A lot of women in the rural areas who have been going through menstrual cycles for years, for two, three decades, you will be shocked that they're still making the same mistakes and doing the same things because they don't know any better. Then the rural er areas, they're not educated. So they don't even know how to use commercially produced menstrual hygiene products. They don't know how to use it. They're used to using their old cloths and newspapers and, and, what, and, and what have you. They don't know how to be hygienic in that time. So they are locked away because they feel that, oh, there's a smell coming from a woman. And once you smell that thing, you know that she's already in her menstrual cycle. And that's not good. They don't know how to keep themselves clean. They don't know how to deal with the stigma that comes with it. I, I, there's something that is very glaring that a lot of people are overlooking. And it's one thing that I want to bring to your attention. And that's the fact that schools should have an active menstrual female counselor by now. By now, every country in Africa should have an active menstrual female counselor. It is very important that you have a woman like that that can talk to the students, the female students. Help them through it. Identify those with a problem. Identify those who can't afford certain things. Give them a safer and better way to find alternatives to these things. Help them avoid all these diseases and sicknesses and all of that. You have to be able to do that. Another thing is men who teach biology have to give some of their classes to females, to their female colleagues, especially when it comes to reproductive organs and, and menstrual cycles. There are a lot of girls that have complained as well that their male teachers don't do justice to it, one. Secondly, they're worried because some guys actually take advantage of these young girls all in the name of being a biology, uh, a bio, biology teacher and start to ask them personal questions that they have no business asking them. And these girls get very embarrassed. They get closed off. They don't trust these men. So they can't even discuss what they're experiencing with these men because they don't know who's going to take advantage of them. So we have to be careful how we expose our children to things like that, our female children, you know. There's so many things that are going on, but I'm happy, like I said, that the World Bank has uh, projects that they're doing in Africa that will provide basic wash requirements, you know, including facilities to help men, uh, manage the menstrual cycle. I'm very happy about that. I also found an organization that's very interesting to me, One Million Girls. It's an organization where they teach young girls how to make their own clean and hygienic, reusable, sustainable sanitary pads. It's, it's so cool. I saw pictures. Some of them have used African prints to cover the things that they have made. They found materials that can hold, you know, blood for a longer time. That's cleaner. That's reusable, but easier to, 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 to handle, easier to maintain and all of that. I love it. If I would really ask all of you to, to look up one million girls and see all the work that they're doing in Africa. Um, I also run a foundation called the Stella Damasas Arts Foundation and we are, we are driving this campaign of, of supporting uh, girls in rural areas. So if you want to donate, um, look up our website. All the information will be uh, in the description, in the caption. Um, the, the website link will be there if you want to donate. If you want to donate not just cash but even menstrual hygiene products it will be an amazing thing you will get all the information you need if you send us an email again all the information you need will be written out send us an email tell us what you want to do how you want to support if you just want to advocate if you want to talk about it it's a good time to start talking about it join us in the campaign to let people know that first of all women and young girls need to be educated we need to find a way to start teaching them how to make their own products and then there are some people that are in 
bad need of this product so they could go to school, so they could go out, so they could play. Because you can't imagine being a young girl, you're 13, you're already experiencing your menstrual cycle and then for six days you're not able to go outside of your home you're not able to play you're not able to go to the kitchen you're not able to do anything you are stuck and you hate it you know it's very painful so join us any information that you need send us an email and we will have a conversation with you we can't wait to hear from you thank you for listening to this podcast and i hope you'll join me again for the next one you can contact me via email excusemyafrican at gmail.com or visit the website, excusemyafrican.com, for more details. Remember to stay positive and give love.